Yes, Lord, we ask that you breathe on us this morning. Breathe your Holy Spirit into our hard hearts, into our hard minds that block your way in our life so that we can be transformed more and more into the image of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this and we trust this and we expect this in Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Hello, I'm Philip Jones, and I used to work here. <laughs> Been a while. It's great to be back as bishop here in the Anglican Mission in America for confirmation this morning. But before I say anything this morning, let me just say this. As I looked up and looked around, there are angels here this morning. And they're covering this service, and they're covering this place, and they are receiving words from the Lord that the Lord wants to give you. The word angel means messenger, and there are messages to each one of us that God wants to have for us this morning. For many of us, it may be the same message, because we're going to talk about something that is real, like blocking and tackling of the Christian faith. It's real practical. It's called forgiveness, so get ready. But as we talk about this, it's part of the transformation God wants to do in your life and in my life. You see, there's an image, there's a vision that God has for each one of us. And we live such a truncated spiritual life. You know, sometimes we think all it's about is say the right prayer so we know where we go when we die. Meanwhile, we're living a life of anger, bitterness, jealousy, envy, hard hearts. The Bible has something to say about that. Today, around the world, churches... Tens of thousands of churches are celebrating what's called Ascension Sunday. If you read your Bible, you know that Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after the resurrection. Well, 40 days after the resurrection, we celebrated Easter, it falls on a Thursday. Most of you aren't here on Thursday, so we do this on Sunday. But it's a way to recognize and remember the Ascension is something in real time right now that's happening. Think about that. Creation, the incarnation, the resurrection, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all that happened 2,000 years ago or more. The ascension is something happening right now because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is pouring out the Holy Spirit so that you and I can know what it's like to really be a full human, to live a fully human life. He showed us. And that's why in our passage today from Ephesians, if you, if you have your Bible or your bulletin, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to what it says. Beginning of verse 29. This is what it means to be human, right? This is what it means to follow Christ. It doesn't happen all at once, but there's a reason we don't do it. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is building up of the other. In our marriages, in our relationships, in our family life in our work life, in our everyday life, are we speaking words that build others up or corrupting words that tear others down? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, let all that be put away and forgive each other as you have been forgiven. That's good news. 
That's the gospel. That's what we're called for. So this morning, my talk is going to be really practical. It's what I call the blocking and tackling, the basics of the Christian faith. And yet, it's so hard to do because we're so full of pride. We're so full of arrogance and we're so full of pain and hurt from the past. So many people. doesn't mean we're a victim. It doesn't mean we live in that victimhood. That's not what this is all about. This is about breakthrough. That's why the angels are here this morning. This is about freedom. That's why the Holy Spirit is being poured out this morning. I'm telling you, the, the comments I got after the first service, I was shocked. This one person came up to me and said, I don't have to go see a counselor anymore. I said, why is that? He said, because I just need to learn to forgive. I need to learn to kind of put that on the table. I heard that from many people. So as I'm talking, it's really not my words. It's what the Lord is going to show into your heart and your mind. At the end of my talk, you'll have a chance in the silence of your heart to forgive. To forgive those who've hurt you. It's the good news because you've been forgiven. And think about this. Who needs to forgive you? So it's not just you forgiving others, but you recognizing that someone needs to forgive you and offering that back in return. That's the blocking. That's the tackling. That's the basics of the Christian faith. In the midst of a culture that's gone crazy, we still are called to follow the cross and to carry that cross. Amen? Amen. Forgiveness is good news. It's a powerful blessing when given and received. What is forgiveness? Listen closely. It's a choice. You have a choice. It's not a feeling. It's an act of the will to let go of a debt or a trespass or a sin that someone has done against you. An act of unmerited mercy because you have received unmerited mercy. It is a process and a journey to freedom. Really. To forgive. To recognize our need to forgive and that we've been forgiven. It means that you decide to continue on your life journey no longer attached to the wrongs committed against you. To forgive means that you decide to leave the responsibility of justice to God. But you get rid of that bitterness. And that pill of poison. We forgive because God forgives. We forgive out of obedience and imitation of Jesus Christ. We oftentimes hear, maybe even pray, Lord, I want to be more like you. Then forgive. That's what he did on the cross. Forgiveness is a non-negotiable part of the Christian life. And it's an ongoing journey that never ends. I've been married 45 and a half years. During that time, there's been lots of reasons to forgive and lots of reasons to be forgiven. And they won't stop. Hopefully, they'll lessen over time. But nevertheless, it's there. Forgiveness is actually for you more than for the other person. Studies show that there's a measurable, when there's a measurable value of forgiveness, that it brings about a measurable value of health and of healing. Physical, mental, emotional, 
and spiritual. God knew what he was doing. God knows what he is doing. And he's pouring out the Spirit now so that you and I can enter into that life that he wants to have for you. It doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter when you start. But today's a good time. What are misconceptions about forgiveness? Listen closely. You need to hear this. Forgiveness is not denying what's happened. And when I talk about what's happened, it could be in your past as a child. It could be in a marriage right now. It could be in a relationship with family or friends or work. Or it could be an institution. It could be the church. It could be some other kind of institution. Right? So forgiveness does not mean you deny, minimize, ignore, excuse, rationalize, or condone the actions of another person. We tend to think that if we forgive someone, well, they're going to think, well, then, you know, see, I was right all along. That's not true. You don't even have to tell the person you're forgiving them. It's a good idea, but you don't have to at first. You just need to have kind of the attitude in your heart. Forgiveness is not saying that something was okay or that it doesn't matter. It requires acknowledging that the offense hurt, real injury was done, and you need to know what you are forgiving, to be specific. And it begins with you individually before you offer to the other person to say that. The other person may not even ask for forgiveness, may not even know they need forgiveness. So it begins with you to acknowledge the real hurt and the real pain. I'm telling you, it happens not just with individuals. It happens between churches. You know, oftentimes, many churches got started out of a church split. And then another church split. And then another church split. And there's uh, some churches in a place called Pauley's Island, South Carolina. And I'm close to both of the churches. And one of us is in the Anglican Mission. It's called the Abbey. And the other one called All Saints Pauley's Island. It used to be in the Anglican Mission. It's, it's another organization now. And so you can imagine that there was... Great pain and hurt and, and hard words spoken back and forth uh, uh, when there was a, a split. Another person now taken over, a guy named Alan Hughes, a good friend of ours, a good friend of yours here at St. Andrews and Robertson. And he's taken over the Abbey, been there a couple of years. And what he's recognized is a need. We need to show how you live as brothers and sisters in Christ in the kingdom here on this island of Paulie's Island. And so over time, he's reached out to the pastor of this other church called All Saints in Paulie's Island, and over time, praying, working, writing, they've come together, and 10 days ago, two weeks ago, they had a public service of forgiving each other, where they stood side by side, and many people from both churches gathered together, and they worshiped together. Now, that shows kingdom work, kingdom initiative. It has to happen between churches as well as between people. I could give you stories after stories at least in, even in my time as a bishop of, of working with churches needing to forgive and where I need to ask for forgiveness at times, uh, where they need to ask for forgiveness and seeing how the churches come back together. It can happen anytime, any way, any place, and it will if we let it. All right, so forgiveness. It doesn't excuse the behavior of the offender. Between those two churches, there was real hurt, real wrong things that were said on both sides. And they both recognized that. Some of the families involved recognized that. And so they stood up and said, I did this or I said this. And my arrogance, my pride, my whatever it is, my hurt, my pain. I said all this and I shouldn't have done that. 
But what forgiveness does is it keeps you from destroying your own heart when you can offer it because it's the kingdom way. Forgiveness is not permitting or enabling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Well, I just don't feel like forgiving. I don't care if you feel like forgiving or not. By God, you'll make the choice if you're a follower of Christ, if you claim to be a Christian. And when it's hard, you'll get help. You'll learn to do it. You'll talk to someone else. But you'll move at least in that way in your own heart to say, I choose to forgive. Forgiveness, listen closely, is not the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation takes two parties, right? Forgiveness leads to reconciliation. It can lead to that. But you can forgive another person and never even tell the other person. Or forgive an institution and never even tell the institution. But you've let that, that, hmm, that pill of poison, you've gotten rid of that out of yourself, and you give it to God. It's amazing what we do when we give things to God. He loves that when we give things to Him. Even if you're still angry and need to forgive like a whole bunch of times, you still do it because of what He did for you and for me. It doesn't require confrontation necessarily or even contact with the offender, nor does it require the other side's repentance. You simply say, Lord, I give this to you. I offer it to you. If it's hard, and it will be hard, it can be hard in marriages, families, all kinds of places, get help. Go talk to a pastor, to a priest, to a friend, to someone that you trust. But get help if you need that. That's okay. It's worth it. It's worth it to value the relationship that God has given us in all kinds of different ways. It's not dependent upon the other person. Reconciliation requires trust. Forgiveness doesn't. Forgiveness doesn't mean I trust everything about the other person. You see, Jesus said, uh, turn the other cheek. But he didn't say turn your back. (laughs) Because, you know, there's trust issues maybe. And so you turn the other cheek. You're seeing them eyeball to eyeball in a way then that says, okay, if I'm going to learn to trust, I've got to learn to forgive first. And the other person or the other group, whatever it may be, needs to hear that first. What does total forgiveness look like? Choose to forgive. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. But when there's more complete forgiveness, what takes place place spiritually in you is this. You recognize the other person doesn't owe you anything. When you're around the other person, you don't get nervous. When you're around the other person, you don't try to avoid When you're around the other person or the institution or group or whatever it may be, there's not a sense of, well, I really wish the best or the worst for you. Because let's be honest, our hearts are so evil. Our hearts can be so hard, we want something that's the worst for someone else because of how they've hurt us. Ever been there? Don't need to nod your head. But the point of it is we know know that we can easily do that. We've thought about it if we haven't been there. But the point is, forgiveness is the ability to bless the offender and pray God will bless them and forgive them. There's no desire to see the other person or the other group suffer. There's no desire to see them carry pain. There's no desire to cause them injury or let others know what they did in a bad way, like in a gossiping type of way. It's not speaking ill of the other person around other people just in order to kind of get that out. The ability to be undisturbed and unruffled If there is contact with the offender, that's when you know that forgiveness is taking root deeply in your heart because you can be around the other person and be undisturbed and unruffled. To be sure, listen closely, 
to be sure, the greater the injury, the greater the harm, the greater whatever it may be, then the longer the forgiveness will take place. But it will take place. It's a journey. It's a process. It's a hope. What happens if we don't forgive? Number one, we disobey the Scriptures. More important, we disobey Christ because He forgave us. How can we not forgive others? Again, forgiveness doesn't mean I agree with what happened. I enable what happened. I permit what happened. Or that I wasn't hurt. I was hurt. I don't agree with what happened. But neither did God agree with what we did to Him. We put Him on the cross. And so, it all begins there. What happens if we don't forgive? Obstacles to our own spiritual life. Physical effects, increased illness, health issues have been documented. High blood pressure, heart attacks, strokes when there's a lack of forgiveness. Much less relational breakdown. It may be in a marriage situation, a husband or wife or something happened to one of them way in the past. So they're not really mad at each other, but it comes out with each other. But it's something in the past because it hasn't been forgiveness. There hasn't been that, that work towards healing. When we don't forgive, there's obstacles to receiving God's blessing and experiencing His presence, feeling God's peace, hearing God's voice, receiving His blessing. When we don't forgive, we will seek to numb ourselves into oblivion through all kinds of ways, spending money, sexual sins, drugs or alcohol. It's all symptoms of someone who's not yet learned how to forgive and to find healing in their life. Emotional, psychological, spiritual self-harm, hardness of heart, persistent bitterness, fear of being hurt, resentment, inability to enjoy the good things of life. Those are the kinds of things that can happen when we don't forgive. A few months ago, I was asked to do a funeral sermon for a person who took his life. I've been around that before. It's not easy. And the sermon was packed. It was at another church. I knew the couple pretty well. And there were several things I said to the congregation. Well, one of them, I was really speaking to the families involved, and especially to the widow left behind. Forgive them. It's not your fault. Learn to forgive. As you and I have noticed, there's a greater rise in suicide rate. There's a greater rise in all kinds of things that are destroying our lives. And it happens, and it's hard to receive, and it's hard to bear. And where we need to go, first of all, is to God. To forgive. There's much more talk about wounds that we have growing up. And all that's true and real and hard and, and vicious. But what do we do with it? In your own families, in your own life, you're going to encounter these kind of things. We need to extend forgiveness in three directions. Forgiveness of other people is one. But also forgiveness of ourselves. Sometimes we think, well, there's no way. That God can forgive this. I and mean, look at all this terrible stuff I did. As if we're proud 
of our set of sins is the worst ever, God's seen it all. Don't think so highly of yourself that your sins are greater than someone else. All sin is bad. All sin is wrong. Forgive yourself. Sometimes what happens is our ancient foe whispers into our spirit, into our mind, shame. When there should be no shame. Guilt when something's already been dealt with. There's a true kind of guilt and a wrong kind of guilt. Anything that's attacking your identity is coming from the very pit of hell itself. Because Satan would do everything he can to murder your identity. And when we forgive, we become more human. More like Jesus. Some people need to learn to forgive God. Now, by that, I mean God doesn't sin. God doesn't need forgiving. But sometimes we transfer all our stuff, all of our anger and bitterness to God of things that were allowed to happen in our life that we had no control over. And so we learn to kind of recalibrate our understanding of who God is. As I said yesterday in the ordination service for Ryland, God is God. And if he allows things to happen in our life, it's because he wants to change each one of us in a certain way. And sin and brokenness will continue to wreak havoc on our life. But God is not in competition with any other power in this world. God is God. He says in the book of Revelation, come up here. Come up here. See the Spirit. And that same Spirit that was there 2,000 years ago, is here right now this morning. It's one of the most healing, strengthening, Christian, and God-fearing things that we can do is to learn to forgive others, learn to forgive God, learn to forgive ourselves. Now, if you find yourself right now saying things like, I'm always going to get rejected. I'll never let anyone hurt me again. If you find in yourself strongholds of bitterness, rage, unforgiveness, if you have a victim identity, if you're blaming others, yourself, and God, if you have significant issues with anger, violence, depression, if there's self-hatred or self-injury, very likely there's somebody, some group, some institution that you need to forgive because you've taken in that pain and you've taken in that hurt and hurt people hurt people. As followers of Christ here at St. Andrews with the great teaching that you have, with great leadership, great shepherding by Robert and the staff, all these things are available for you. We as sheep go astray so easily and so often and there's a way back. There's a way back home. And that way back home is forgiveness. Confession of our own sins and choosing to forgive others. As I close this talk now, there's so much more I'd love to say. Let me just say this. If something has kind of pricked your conscience uh, when I've spoken or the Holy Spirit speaking to you or the angels giving you that message I talked about, talk to the staff. Make a time to visit with them and, and just share that and let them lead you in prayer, 
It's a process. It doesn't all happen at once. We can make a mistake about rushing too quickly into it without really thinking things through. You know, so you need to know your hurt and your pain. You need to embrace it in a kind of a way, not because you're glad about it, but you just, it needs to be real. And then you need to make, make those three, to say those three words, I choose forgiveness. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to ask you in a second to bow your head. And um, I'm going to leave some time of quiet. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And in the silence of your hearts, there may be somebody or some group or some institution that you need to choose to forgive. It's a choice, not a feeling. And as you're doing that, you might just kind of think in the background, I wonder who needs to forgive me. And maybe you're the one that makes a first step. I forgive you is the bravest, most courageous three words you can say. Because you're giving it to God. And will you forgive me? Are three or four other other brave and courageous words you can say because you've been forgiven by God. Bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes, and do not peek. <laughs> now, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us. Show us where, first of all, we're acting out in ways that don't give grace to other people, that don't build up other people, that don't build ourselves up. Where there's deep roots of anger and bitterness and hurt and pain, somebody, some group has hurt us along the way that we need to forgive, whether they know it or not. But you do, Lord. So now I'll leave a few moments of silence for you to make that choice, whatever it may be in your life. Come, Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts. And now may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart always be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And all the people said, Amen, Amen. Amen.